Sunny 16 presents Okay, hello everybody to welcome to episode number four of Digital Film Photography. I'm Christian and with me is Aid. Hello Aid, how are you doing? I'm good buddy, how are you doing? It's good to see you. Pretty good, very excited. Uh, we have a very special guest today uh, because we've been cooking our own soup for a while now for three episodes and we thought it's time to um, ask someone else uh, about, you know, who knows stuff. Knowing stuff is a good thing. I've, 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 I have to say in my, my long and checkered podcasting history, I haven't found not knowing stuff to be a barrier to broadcasting on the internet. Um, yeah, I try not to let it trouble me too much, uh, but actually, I always do find it comforting when we do have a guest that knows something. Exactly. And not knowing anything has never stopped anybody from spreading stuff on the internet. But we <laughs> want to change that. And so we're very uh, delighted to have Todd Coral with us, uh, who has his own YouTube channel. He's a professional photographer from Alberta, Canada, and uh, we will link, uh, obviously link to his YouTube channel in the show notes. And we're very pleased that he said yes and agreed to come uh, onto the show. Hello, Todd. How are you? Good morning. Good morning for you. I know it's good afternoon for you guys, but great to be here. Glad that you made it. Uh, Todd, um, We before we start the conversation, why don't you uh, give us a quick uh, um, overview of what you do and what your passion is and what your professional work is? Well, professionally, I've been a photographer my entire adult working life. I basically came out of high school and started as a photographer working in my hometown newspaper. And now, skip ahead, almost 30 years later, I am a full-time working photographer. I'm a freelance photographer. I do a lot of corporate work. I do a lot of editorial and documentary work. And of course, I do a lot of my own personal work. And a lot of the personal work is what you see on my YouTube channel. Right, interesting. Yeah, I was uh, when I preferred, uh, prepared for the show, I uh, simply obviously Googled uh, your work. I looked at your website, obviously, and then I was uh, very um, uh, baffled uh, how much your name pops up in our local German media because uh, you've been working uh, for Reuters for quite a while. And there, there are, I don't know if you are aware, aware of that, there are so many German huge news outlets that actually publish pictures that are credited to you. So, um, yes, we're, we're big, we're big in Germany. I've worked for Reuters for over 10 years as a contract photographer for them. And, uh, of course I have photographed a lot of sporting events. I've been to, I've been involved in five Olympic games. I do countless world championships in all kinds of different sports. And as you know, there are a lot of wonderful German athletes and I've photographed a lot of them. And so a lot of my photographs get used over there in the German newspapers and magazines. Ah, great. Yeah. So, uh, I, I must admit uh, at, um, that I'm a little starstruck, which is okay. I think I'll get over it. But yeah, so uh, from what you're saying, uh, I mean, on your YouTube channel, we see you carrying around an eight by ten during the Calgary Stampede. And eight uh, just told me that he will be uh, going to that event next year. And uh, then you also uh, photograph sporting events. And I reckon you don't do that with an eight by ten, do you? 
<laughs> no, I don't. But I have photographed sporting events with film, as you've probably seen in my, one of my latest YouTube channels from Athens, Greece, when I went to the old uh, original Olympic Stadium. I have photographed the Olympics with film and, of course, with digital. And, you know, the very first Olympics I did was in uh, at the Calgary Olympics in 1988. And, and then it was all film. So you were going in, getting these big bricks of film from Kodak and taking pictures all day. And you'd go down and they would develop them for you overnight. And you'd come back and there'd be stacks of film. I still have boxes of film uh, from the Olympics that that I worked, so Kodak used to be, you know, really big into that and a major sponsor. That's incredible. That's an incredible thing to have just to think about because you, know, you think about today, where you know, uh, sporting events like that, uh, everybody is shooting literally tens of thousands of images, and some of them can be out on the wire in you know a minute and a half you know or, or something like that it's um just to think about the fact that you wouldn't even get your films back for 24 hours it's just a, diff a different pace of life in those days i guess or you know, when, when you were doing big sporting activities a different pace and you know i remember working on the on a on a world figure skating championships in vancouver and i photographed all weekend and i was working for sports illustrated and it, this was still in the days of film. And I would have this great big bag of film that maybe there was 150 rolls that I would give to someone or send by courier to New York City. It would get there. There would be somebody at the airport waiting for the film. They'd take the bag. They'd take it to the Time Life offices in downtown New York. It would go into the labs and would all get processed. An editor would go through that 150 rolls of film the next day, and they would make their selections, and then it would be out in the magazine the following week. And then now, I recently just switched to Sony cameras, to the Sony A1 camera, the latest one. And now when I'm doing assignments, I can take a picture and I look at the back and I can make crop marks on the back of the camera, hit send, it sends to a server and instantly goes to Reuters. So you're taking a picture and the photograph is instantly going to an editor at Reuters who sends it out a minute later. So basically, yeah, we're living in a world of, as you know, instantaneous photography, news, news photography. That's again incredible. So, so you are well placed. Okay, so that's good. That's really properly established your credentials for helping helping us explore this topic of, of film. It's not film versus photo digital photography because that that's not what we, that's not what we're after. We're after you know, a, a nice mix of the two and 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 uh, allows us to, to to appreciate both. I think is is what we're looking for. So clearly, you're you're a person who's happy with many many different types of cameras so i guess that one of the first questions you're thinking about the capture part of the process uh how, how do you go about thinking oh i've got something i want to photograph and it could it could be a, a work thing or it could be a personal thing it could be anything you like but how, how do you go through the process of deciding what's the the best capture device for the job it there's a lot of factors that come into play and because I've been around for so long and because I've I've done so many different assignments, I kind of have a feeling for if it's a certain assignment that 
it's going to look good on film or uh, or it could be simply a time uh, factor where where I do a lot of assignments at one o'clock in the afternoon and editors need photographs by four o'clock in the afternoon. It comes down to being that simple. So, you know, film is not very practical when that happens. I photographed, the. I was traveling with the Pope this summer and I photographed the Pope and you know, at each stop, he would, there would be an event, he would do something, you would have to get those images out instantaneously. So film becomes a non-factor. I mean, you you have to work digitally. But for my personal work, and for some magazine assignments that I might have, uh, you know, that, that would, that I have a lot more time for, then I can say, you know, this might be great on film, on black and white film, or color film, and then it breaks down even further, where is a, if I have time and want to create a certain look, I might do it on 4x5, I might do it on 8x10, or I might shoot it on my Hasselblad. There, it just really kind of depends on the look and feel that I want to create. So that would be my question. The, the, when, For example, when you take sports photos that go out to the agency, what you basically do is take whatever... You capture in that moment you need to have the sharpness correct you need to have all the settings the the uh i guess the the um uh, the exposure must be correct and so on is there something that you um um for example some sort of preset that you share with whoever edits your uh, uh, your images in the in the uh in the agency that you know has a specific look or do you you know, basically apply, you know, the the default uh, preset for your camera and go from there. Yeah, well, certainly for my news news work, there there is no looks. I mean, yes. it is it is very basic photography. You 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 get your color balance correct. Um, you know, you use your your shutter and aperture to create your look in terms of. Uh, is it a pan where there's motion in it or, you know, are you capturing that moment and, and there's, there's nothing, but there are no looks. Um, when you work for a news agency, you have to be believable. We can't be creating looks that have a color shift or a tone. Um, everything that, that I do is basically right out of the camera. There might be a slight crop to it, but we never manipulate anything in Photoshop in terms of the actual image. We try to make the um, the color look as accurate as possible, and that is all that's done to the image. Mm-hmm. And then it and then it, a caption is is written. And even in the caption, when I particularly write captions. I never assume things. I never suggest things. It's very matter of fact. You know, Bob Smith throws a baseball to first base, and it <laughs> it is it is that basic. It, it you know I I don't I don't try to create something in my caption. So essentially, what you know when I when I'm a news photographer, I want to be uh, you know very very accurate. And part of the reason is is because. In this modern day of polarization, you can't have, um, you know, we don't want to be seen to be taking a side or trying to manipulate the news or create something that's not there. Um, so it's, it, and the other thing is, is, is when 
you go along and you get that one great news photo, you don't want people thinking, oh yeah, that's just Photoshopped and that's fake. Yeah. So you have to be really honest when you're working in the news realm. So, so basically, you do have a look which is as neutral as possible, right? Yes. I mean, yes. if you've been at the sports venue, for example, what you, what people see in your images in the magazine is pretty much what you would see when you're uh, on location. So my question is, uh, when I see um, the YouTube videos that you produce uh, uh, with your personal work, I can see that you uh, you often take a lot of time to observe uh, your surroundings and and I feel like um, when I see the final images yes there is some sort of tonality when you shoot uh, digitally but also when you shoot with film that you that is um, I'm not entirely sure if I can say for sure what your style is because you have uh, a lot of versatility in how you show landscapes people and so on but uh, I feel like um, you stri still strive for a, a look that is probably not neutral, but um, shows what you feel in the situation very well. And can you tell us more about how you how you do that, how you figure out what look? Because you said earlier that you select uh, the best tool for the uh, for the occasion. So how do you go about that, for yeah. your, especially for your personal work? Yeah, very much. In, in my personal work, um, if the lines don't become blurred. I still don't manipulate my photos in Photoshop to... Um, I know a photographer, and she's a wonderful photographer, but she creates photographs out of maybe 10 or 15 images. She might take a hand and a leg and a piece of sky and everything and manipulate everything to create a whole new photograph in Photoshop. I don't have a problem with that. And I don't have a problem with that as long as the photographer is honest and says, yeah, this is what I do. Hey, that's great because that is your artistic vision. For myself, my vision goes a little bit more towards the line of, okay, how did a place make me feel? Is the place really empty? Is it chaotic? What's happening in this place? And I will use the tones of, of darkness and lightness and uh, very much from my darkroom days of burning down areas or brightening up areas uh, to really let that subject speak to what I'm looking for. So all you in and in, in, in terms of the film that I select, you know, sometimes I might select a higher speed film to to give it a bit of a grittier, grainier look. Um, Sometimes, uh, uh, you know, in my digital photography as well, I might uh, burn down areas so that you will see kind of the subject that I'm looking for and, and, and that it has the same feel that, that I felt when I was at that place. I like the feel, feel thing is an interesting one, isn't it? Because that's, that, that's, that's something that underpins uh yeah quite a lot of what i try to look it for when i when i'm shooting i guess when i'm trying to do what i think would be the sort of cleaner end of my spectrum rather than the sort of dirtier grungier end where i'm I'm deliberately trying to get away from realistic but when i'm looking at realistic things it, i mean yeah realistic of course being a very um very very much tongue-in-cheek turn of phrase because there's nothing realistic about photographs particularly but the uh 
the, yeah, I, I'm often looking for, to to recapture the feel, and and sometimes that's that you know, you can you can take the most neutral shot you like, and you can look at it and go, no, that's not what I'm seeing. You know, that you know what really that's not what I don't want people to look at that and think that that's what I saw. Actually, I need to do something with the colours, perhaps, um, uh, or maybe you know, with, and con- contrast. And contrast is a really difficult one because for me anyway because of course the 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 human brain can see many more stops of dynamic range than than your average camera sensor uh and and then you get into the realms of well what do i do in in editing my photo about that do do i try and make it so that you can see all the shadows and all the highlights or do i i let them you know do i let them drop away do i want to block out the shadows or do i want to and preserve the highlights you know do i you know am i thinking you know i i'm inspired by fan ho today right and i really want to have that high contrasty look or am i thinking about something else and uh it's a it's a really interesting it's an interesting process for me to try and you know play with that exposure light and dark and you talk about you know dodging and burning there as well todd uh you know that yeah that sort of thing is like what is it that you want to highlight what should be brighter what should be darker um the feel of it it's um yeah that's 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 something um i i and i do more of that with digital i think because with film and here's a, here's a test for you both actually here's a question for you both because yeah you because know, i think with film it's, it sometimes feels a bit wrong to change it in a big way after you're just like well what why am i changing this it's it's, it's the film it's got a look right so yeah why is, is it right to change the film look in post you'd say no i didn't like that i want it a different way <laughs> <laughs> well in Part of me feels that uh, so many images are over manipulated these days. I mean, they're they're just, you know, you can see the dehaze is just cranked on, you know, in the Lightroom setting, and that they're just way oversaturated. They're way over sharpened. They look fake. And I guess if that's the look you're going for, that's fine. You know, I I don't care. And I think that's that comes down to the biggest thing between this whole debate that people are doing where where people get you know they they get aggravated when they see things and they're very vocal about how things should be or shouldn't be i don't care i mean i I really don't what i don't care what anybody really does Um, in my work i try to make i try to make subtle changes that that give you that sense of feeling without where people look and say oh you know that looks like a great place that looks really nice that looks you know how that place is without this over manipulation where people go wow that that's just fake i mean i've i've seen so many pictures where i go i'm just turned off by them because they look so fake that that you know it 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 becomes an altered state of reality in terms of film i admit that i manipulate film in my developing in my printing, um, you know, I will, if it's a gray day out here, I will uh, overdevelop it so I can pop the highlights up and, you know, give it more contrast so it's not so flat and gray. I mean, you know, uh, Ansel Adams and all of the great film photographers have done this for for years. Oh, and yeah, again, it, go, yes. it goes back to, it goes back to, um, the piece of art or the piece of work that you're trying to create. And, and again, is for me, as long as the photographer is honest about what they're doing, 
you know, then, then, you know, then I don't really care. I've developed my own kind of set of rules and styles that I live by and try to work within so that, so that I do kind of have a style. And I think it, it's come out in my YouTube videos, you know, quite a bit where, where, um, it's kind of being manipulated in terms of the exposure and the development and what I'm doing again, but it, but it, the end goal is always to highlight the subject and kind of to be honest towards the subject and, and not so much about just, just my general, uh, you know, aesthetic trying to be about me. It's always more about the subject in my books. I think well, that's, I mean, that's a very interesting angle on it. So the, yeah. the, the look is about the subject, not about the photographer. I like, the I question, like that. The, the, the question is if, if I mean, uh, you, you, I think I need to uh, um, address quickly what you asked earlier, uh, Aid, in terms of, uh, um, I mean, manipulation. For example, I uh, before I started, uh, got back into film photography in 2016, I was, you know, taking normal image i'd say and then uh, i uh, discovered my love for black and white film and i uh, as we discussed earlier we all went through the puberty of trying many different films and trying all sorts of developers and so on but as soon as you uh, you know have made your choice and, and know how to use your tools to express uh, artistically uh, as you said, Todd, you know exactly uh, what film to overdevelop, like a stop or something to get a certain look. And um, uh, for example, I, I'm going to tell you something very sacrilegious. Uh, I actually don't like HP5 at box speed. <gasps> I, I love it at uh, um, ISO uh, 1600 because that look that you get from HP5 when you... Uh, uh, when you uh, push it uh, like two stops is amazing. It's the best look. And, and I think, uh, I don't know anyone who can emulate it uh, to look like a true HP5 uh, uh, push for two stops digitally. And, and also uh, when shooting landscapes, I totally agree with uh, Todd and not just because I admire your work that I don't really care. I, I love to shoot uh, landscapes in black and white. And so many people don't like it. Say, why do you shoot that black and white? And the reason why I do it is because what I see in a landscape is primarily the shapes that I perceive, the shadows, the 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 light. And, and I feel sometimes that uh, for me personally, I'm, it's perfectly fine if you shoot color. But for me personally, I feel like I represent the what I see best if I shoot it black and white very often, that's, not always, but very that's often. That's really interesting. So what you're saying there, if I, th I think, is that actually you're shooting a landscape in black and white is more true to what you see in your brain yes. than than including color because it's the it's the light and the contrast and and all of those things that you see. That's that's fascinating. I I really like that as a as a concept, you've got me thinking it. I have no idea where I'm going to take this line of conversation, but you've definitely <laughs> got me thinking. So let's ask, let's ask Todd though as well. So, so you know, in what what is it that what is it that jumps out to to you, Todd, in, when you're looking at let's let's say a, a landscape? Is is it the the light and the shapes, or is it the colours, or is it depends on what what you've got in front of you? For well, certainly lately for me, it it is that it is that as well. It is it is the shape, it's the form, it's the light, it's the contrast, the shadows. 
for me, a lot of times, you know, I did this thing in uh, the west coast of Canada and in the forest. And, and in some of my photographs, you can see the trees and you can see the forest. And there's really big dark spots because it's so dark, you can't see anything there. And for me, that's almost just as important as the stuff that you can't see is those dark spots where it's a mystery of what's in there. And with black and white, you can, again, you can create that feeling, that mystery. Uh, you can e evoke a sense, I can evoke a sense of place better than I can with color. When I start shooting color, it becomes very stockish, you know, like the pictures you see in a stock agency that people are buying to do an ad for something. And, and again, that's fine. I, I don't have a problem with that. But in my personal work, I want to evoke a sense of emotion where people can get lost in the photographs a little bit. And uh, it, it's kind of, you know, like the Harry Potter Hogwarts thing where you, where they're not supposed to go into the deep, dark forest. Well, what's in there? And, <laughs> and you know, that, those are the kind of ideas that I like. I think uh, one interesting aspect that you mentioned in your videos is that you uh, always shoot in manual mode, as far as I know. And I can relate to that because especially in, when you shoot in very uh, difficult lighting situations, I, uh, uh, I I love to use my spot meter when I shot uh, with, uh, for example, my Bronica or other um, medium format cameras that don't have a built-in meter because um, uh, when you get to know a film stock, uh, you get a very good feeling for how an image will render if you, for example, uh, measure, meter on a certain spot. And um, I find that uh, I transfer this to my digital photography too. I, I started using uh, uh, center weighted and also sometimes spot metering my camera because I feel like if I leave um, these things uh, like uh, getting the proper uh, exposure to my camera's um, microchips, it doesn't turn out the way I want it to because I see something that I think should stand out. And and um, how? So my question would be: uh, How important is it for you to um, you know meter properly? I mean, obviously it's very important, but how do you go about uh, metering so that you get a certain look in your image that expresses what you see uh, in a certain um, uh, scene, for example? Because I feel like many people. Um, the 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 phone photography and also the this uh, very strong HDR trend that we see in phones um, keeps people from actually um, trying to properly meter a scene and and do something and use that as an expressional uh, um, tool. How do you think about that? Yeah, I, I mean metering metering is critical. Cameras do an average meter meter reading to give you an average exposure so that if you take a picture somewhere you're going to get a, a usable photograph that's what it's meant to do but when you start to stop and slow down and think about metering where you want to meter if you meter for the highlights where do you want those highlights to be do you do you want to knock them down and make them grayer or do you want to up them and make them whiter? Do you, you know, these are questions that you have to ask. The big thing for metering for me is that it slows you down. It gives you discipline. 
it it makes you start thinking pre-visualizing the image before you even take it like what is this final image going to be like and that's not only with film that that's with digital as well i mean you either or if you meter a certain way your photograph is going to come out differently in digital of course then you can start uh, like you said, it, it, getting an HDR look or, or bringing the shadows up or knocking down the highlights. And same with film. I, I mean, you're just you're doing it a different way. You're doing it chemically. But but metering is is all critical for, you know, when somebody is is sitting there looking at a scene and wants to photograph that scene, they have to be asking themselves those questions is where do we want the shadows? Where do we want the midtones? Where do we want the highlights? And you manipulate those, not in Photoshop, but in your development, in your exposure, number one, and then in your development. And you can change all those things. Those are variables, a sliding scale, as it were, to, cha to change all those things. So, yeah, I mean, metering is, is absolutely critical. And that's one of the reasons why I like the little Leica M6 is because it basically has a spot meter. So you really have to pay attention where you're metering. It, 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 you know, if you're gonna meter it in the shadows or the midtones or the highlights, because that will alter your exposure dramatically in your final look. That's an interesting, yeah, that's an interesting point of view. So, cause the, uh, I, I find, you know, that is, far more intuitive and this is possibly because i haven't got the craft but it's far, far easier for me to shoot them with a digital camera especially with an electronic viewfinder because i just dial that in in the viewfinder you know and so so i'm still doing the previs right so i'm still understanding what it is that i'm wanting out of the image uh and thinking that through although sometimes you can see something uh, where, where the the digital comes in really handy is if you see something and you know there's a photo there and you're not quite sure and actually having a live viewfinder view um you know can can really help you dial that in and get and get the look that you want so that's that's something that i, I really enjoy um uh yeah of the digital but but for, i do try sure. and do it with the film as well and, and, and that's exactly what you're doing you are making those decisions but you are seeing them live in that digital viewfinder. You're, you're saying, okay, yeah, I want this darker or I want this lighter. You might not be intellectualizing them by saying, okay, I've got to do a spot meter reading here. And to get this white, I need to overexpose it by one stop or two stops. But that's exactly what you're doing. You're doing exactly the same thing, only in the 21st century by, by using <laughs> you know, a digital viewfinder. But I actually <clears throat> uh, just recently made the discovery how uh, deceptive that can be because uh, I used to crank up my electronic viewfinder's uh, brightness quite a bit. And uh, as soon as it doesn't, you know, proportionally dim down the viewfinder uh, when you're in a darker environment, you suddenly see stuff that you actually don't see on the image because yep. uh, your eye adjusts to the surroundings. So I discovered that the, that it's still more um, precise if I take, you know, the experiences I have from film, you know, to, uh, you know, see a color or a, a sh uh, some, some sort of surface, which I think that should be neutral gray 
in my uh, in my uh, in my final image, and then expose uh, at, um, you know by metering that particular spot. And I tend to get much better results by just using that method uh, than by you know just looking at the display. And I f f found the experience of you know learning that uh, by shooting film so useful for my digital photography that I think uh, analog photography actually made me a better photographer. It, it's a no, no question. It, it and again, it goes back to what I said about discipline. It it gives you the discipline to start to think about this decision making process, and then of course you have to learn your gear on the limitations of your gear. Film has limitations. Digital has limitations. So you have to work within those limitations. But if you are uh, coming from a film background where you have to meter and you have to spot meter and you're and you're you know changing the exposure to get a certain look it helps you as a digital photographer there's no question about it yeah um i was wondering uh, because uh, we were discussing uh, your um you know your take on how to choose a camera uh, i was wondering when i saw your video about the uh, athens olympic stadium you had both your leica m6 and was it the m10 my, my m10 yes exactly and i was wondering uh i felt like uh, please correct me if i'm if i uh, misunderstood it i felt like you consciously use the m6 with film for certain scenes but for other scenes you actually preferred the crispness that you get from the m10 um if you if you go on a on an outing with both digital and uh and your analog uh, cameras and you do that quite a bit on your um youtube channel or at least a few times on your youtube channel uh how how, how do you look at a scene and decide what camera to take Well, I mean, <laughs> this is this is this is um, this kind of shows how lazy I am. I took the M10 mostly so I could just carry another lens and have it accessible really quickly, <laughs> so I could take it off the body and switch lenses really quickly. So and and also digitally because I was traveling. Uh, in part for vacation, I was with my wife, it's easy to kind of take a snapshot with it as well. But in terms of when you're using a Leica like that, there really is no difference in terms of, um, because you're, their range finder, they're almost exactly the same. So so that, fe that aesthetic feeling of looking through a viewfinder and taking a picture is almost exactly the same, whether it's a digital Leica or a film Leica. And in part for me, I also want to see what the difference was. And that goes back to me testing film. And it helps if I have kind of a base mark of my digital Leica. And uh, I'm kind of going through what so many other people are going through right now, too. Film is getting horribly expensive. I mean, it's just getting ridiculously expensive. Um, even that Lomography film that I use that is okay, um, you know, it's. I'm certainly more of a fan of the Kodak film and Ilford films. That's really expensive out here. So the way I shoot, which is a lot, I tend to shoot a lot of pictures. It's hard for me to, and it's hard to travel with all of a sudden going with a hundred rolls of film. Much more easier to to travel with a with a digital camera, and um, but it 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 
film still gives you a little bit of an aesthetic organic type of look um, I could have easily have done everything on my Leica M10 digitally and you know it would have been fine it would have had that digital look about it but uh, I think this goes back to how do you choose a camera when you're when I'm going to a place that's the original Olympic stadiums that's from the 1800s and it has this old nostalgic look then film helps me create that look of the place instead of a new that sometimes digital can be a plasticky look you know it's it's it digital can be too perfect i mean it it, it doesn't have any soul i mean digital is so good now i it, it's it's not a question of digital is bad digital has gotten so good that it's kind of gotten bad because it's so perfect that there's there's no there's there's no organic real feel to it or you have to go into photoshop and start creating that look start creating noise on it start create you know kind of get some kind of imperfection because it's just so perfect i mean have, it's, you, have it, you done that before sorry i've sorry. tried i've tried but it's still hard to get that film look. I, I went this summer and I, I did this uh, piece on the grasslands. I'm, I'm doing a little book project on the grasslands and I love that place. And I shot, I shot digitally and I shot my four by five and I have a scan here on my desktop right now. And, and, you know, I shot four by five T max 400 and it just has this great film look that is you know it's got depth and it's got dimension it's got a little bit of grittiness to it and it kind of just suits that feeling it's i don't know what it is about film it, it's still i i have not seen anybody or i've seen very few where people can actually kind of replicate the look of film in photoshop it it, it still has that kind of you know digital look as it, it is uh, uh, something that we've talked about on on the uh, the the previous episode of uh, of this podcast, which I know you haven't had the chance to listen to because it hasn't been published yet. But it, it you know, we talked about different tools and we talked about how far you can approximate uh, a, a a film look. And I think you know there, there's a, there's a lot of science out there. There's a lot of very sophisticated software. The organic thing, though, is a, is a difficult thing to to quantify, or, or you can qualify it perhaps, uh, albeit subjectively. But it's a different thing. It's a difficult thing to quantify. And um, yeah, it's a. Uh, uh, and I'm not sure that there is an answer to this, right? Which is why that which is why I find this topic of conversation so fascinating because I think it is there definitely is something uh that is yeah that, that has a more organic feel to it um for, from film although one could argue that it is it, it that you can get quite a long way a quite a large proportion of the way there these days sure. to the point where many 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 people wouldn't be able to tell the yeah difference, perhaps. And, you know and let's get down to this too the, this other thing that photographers don't talk about I think that if, uh, you know, you had a bunch of great writers in the room, are they going to talk that your novel was done on a typewriter? Well, that that's not any good. Or your novel was done on a computer? Like, I mean, writers don't talk like that. Or great painters or artists. They don't talk about the... Pro it's, it's photographers 
out of any kind of art form talk about the process more. And not only do they talk about it, but they talk about what's better or worse. Where you would never say that you would, you know, if, if it was widely known that this was a great novel, would you not read it because it wasn't typed on a typewriter if it was done <laughs> exactly. on a computer? Yeah, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I mean so, it's, it, it's kind of crazy. And then the other thing too for me, and this is the most this is one of the most important things for me about shooting film is the process. And it's the process of taking a tripod out, of putting a large format camera on, of slowing down, of taking meter readings, of interacting with my subject because sometimes I want the process to last longer. I want the subject standing there because Photographing somebody is a is kind of an intimate thing, intimate interaction between the two of you. And I just don't want to pull out my camera and take blast the picture and then you're 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 done. I want them to kind of take a few deep breaths and relax and kind of maybe get annoyed a little bit that it's taking so long and then the, and then their body language changes and then they start relaxing a bit more and then you have a conversation and then you're making decisions on where do I want the highlights in the shadows and making minute compositional changes? And then I want the process of going back into my darkroom, of putting on Miles Davis and developing some film and taking some time for myself where nobody's bugging me and washing the film and holding it up to the light and seeing the magic that happens and then making contact sheets and then taking a grease marker and marking a photograph that I want and then making a beautiful 11 by 14 inch print and creating an object, creating an object of art or an object of that you can give to somebody. I work enough in front of my computer that I don't necessarily want to come home and spend another five hours staring at a screen and... And again, that's just for myself that, you know, other people love to do that, but this is my process that I like right now. I think what you said uh, about uh, that, what matters is the output resonates very much with uh, aid and me. I think I, I don't, I can speak only for me, but I think I, I, uh, I, you would agree because especially in uh, one of your videos uh, with your friend, Steve Spear, you, um, you put a lot of emphasis on how important it is to print work. And uh, also uh, Steve mentioned in the video that, he switched to digital but still works with a tripod and and that is something that spoke to me a lot because uh, uh for me personally i i took a um uh, a now pretty long hiatus from film photography because i have young kids and i i didn't have the time you know to spend uh to to uh uh, you know, mix a uh, caffeinol to develop film to s scanning was uh, a nightmare for me. And sometimes I really despised, you know, uh, scanning stuff, but I didn't have room for um, in a larger. So, um, but I think when it, it all boils down to, you need to love the process of creating an image. And what I take from your YouTube video, especially the one with Steve is uh, it's so important to print 
your work so that you can you know hang it on the wall take a step back have a good uh, you know lighting uh, on your image and then take in the details and so on and and uh, from that video was very inspirational and because uh, it showed me that what matters is the image and it doesn't matter how it was taken as long as you enjoy the process and people then can see the final print because i think ansel adams was the one who said that uh, um, the print is the final image it's not the negative it's not the contact print and i think that is um uh, for sure yeah and you, you look at what avidon did with his work in the american west he destroyed all of his negatives except for the ones that he made prints of um because he didn't want anybody he didn't want his vision going outside of what he saw in, in, in the in the final you know the final image. It was all about the final image. I just went on this big trip to Europe. What I do on every one of my trips, big trips that I go with my family, is I will go through the images and I have both digital and uh, film images is is I will go through the process of laying out a photography book and having a book printed for the family that we can have and is part of our archive, our, 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 our archive, part of our history. And we have books from around the world, you know, from the United States, from Portugal, from France, from Italy. And it's a great way of showing people also when they come over there's going to be a gigantic gap, I think, in, in human history, of human family history, where everybody has lost their phones or lost their pictures and lost their pictures of their kids because nobody has this stuff backed up. It's, you know, it's all sitting on your phone, your pictures of your kids or, or whatever else. And at least go through the, uh, the, the exercise of making some four by six prints so you have family albums or have something because you know i recently i just lost my last parent and i took all of the family photographs from home and you know that's that's the only history that we have of that and can you imagine families i know people that that lost all their pictures of their kids when they're two, three, and four years old. I mean, that's a big gap of not having anything. So, and, and it goes goes to if we are photographers, I think the you know some of our best work we should at least have prints of to be able to show people to hang on our walls. Um, Instagram, I guess, is the is the art gallery of our world now, which is a pretty sad place and state i mean i like everybody else hates the platform now yeah. I, I love, the printing uh, thing is really interesting because I, I print i have a um you know even just rough prints but i have a little six by four canon selfie printer which which i love um and uh, i think christian has one as well and uh i think we have um yeah uh, i i print uh, there's a whole wall in 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 that in my house and it's a part of the house where everybody walks past it all the time there's all sorts of stuff on there it's snapshots some of them are little snapshots because they were fun in the moment some of them are some of them are me playing with crazy editing apps on my phone and just creating stuff that's is quite abstracted from what i originally saw and and put those up there but uh, yeah and and then there is uh, there are the bits that yeah where i where we do take a family vacation or a trip and i think okay i'll, I'll set aside a time and think okay well what is it that I want to achieve in how I document this holiday? 
this trip that we're taking. So I've got, you know, a f- photo albums that where it's all shot in stacks. And I decided I'd shoot in stacks for the holiday. And, and there's an actual photo album on the, she- on, the, on the shelf. Sometimes it's video, which I don't do enough of because I find it... I find it hard work, right? I enjoy having a video and I think some of the, especially for family moments, I think video is an amazing thing. It captures things in a way that, that, that photography doesn't, it's different. It may be not better, but very different. And so I do like to make sure that every couple of years or so I spend you know, a couple of days out of a family vacation shooting some video and hopefully doing something with that. So I to- totally with you, especially on the, the family and friends thing about the memories. But I also find and this interest uh, interested in what you both think about this. It's not the quantity of images I have of my family that counts. Right. And if I yeah, if I could have only one photo a month of what my family did you know 12 photos a year that that uh, that would be an amazing thing and so i don't the, the digital thing i know it's all ease of use and everybody has a phone and people don't buy cameras anymore and get that but i also think that the printing and the output element of it should be part of what you're trying to do because it's what makes you go back to them and see those images when in, instead of losing regardless of whether you lose a backup or not you, you effectively lose sight of them because of the quantity of them and so for me shooting for a, a a mini project you know just for a bit of fun not to put pressure on it could be printed in a in a little photo book a consumer grade photo book is as good as anything or print a few six by fours and stick them in a journal write some words around them that sort of thing I think that's an amazing way to think about the look of photography. So I could I could pull up here, it's right on my desk in front of me, my little photo journal where I print little tiny prints often, you know, and just stick them in there and write a few words around them. And that for me is part of the look of my photography because inf- I go back to it, I use it for inspiration, it informs what I do. You know, um, do, do you keep a journal, Todd, a visual journal? Um, I do on... Uh, I, I, te- I I'm I'm bad at journaling because I'm always so busy and I'm always working. <laughs> I, I keep, totally. <laughs> keep more of a visual journal of uh, you know on my phone and uh, and a lot of the notes. I always carry this little notebook that I'm writing little notes on on you know things to see and and and, and things to do. But I make a point of like I said I do these books on on every trip and I make a point of when I'm working on a project to make prints so if you go down in my basement I have boxes it'll be labeled Sand Hills you know to th- September uh, 2022 and you know my contact sheets will go in there with my negatives and my uh, and any work prints that that I've made. Um, I'm kind of getting to the point in my life where I'm trying to work on projects now that are going to be a book. I'm I'm starting a little publishing house that I want to start publishing my own work. Uh, now that I have kind of a nice little following on YouTube and on Instagram and, and you know have an audience that I think I could actually start making these books and making them limited editions of 500 and make a book that you also get a little print with as well which I think nice. might be might be might be kind of really nice so I'm just going through the steps of of creating that right now but you know if if, if somebody's house is on fire and you can grab one thing what's the one thing you're gonna grab first <laughs> I mean you know you're, you're not gonna grab you know your 
I don't know, your microwave or something, you're, 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 you're going <laughs> to grab the photo albums. You're going to grab your family's history. I mean, the, the, that's the thing that I guarantee you 99% of the people are going to grab. And it's so funny because uh, that you, I mean, uh, what you said, eight uh, that you print and you taught that you print the, for example, family uh, holidays and so on. Um, I started doing that as well. So I basically have from every holiday, I have this really nice book. Uh, we have a very good print service in German, Germany that um, prints high quality photo books where every um, double page is completely flat if you lay it down so you can actually have a, a whole print covering both pages and you don't have you know a huge crease in the middle and uh, it's so funny because nowadays that I now that I know that I will print my images in that way I sometimes while taking a photo I think oh that'll look good in a double page spread so um, even if you know that you need to crop in a certain way sometimes I try to account for the crop because I got a feeling for how it will look in the in, in the book and I think that's very important because then in the end when you do present the p uh, images in your in your book I feel like if you um, made sure to you know have that format in mind and sometimes print uh, i mean digitally printed stuff can look a little different if you don't do all the color um, uh, um uh, don't use the proper color um help me out uh, the you know the files where they have the color information for the printer uh, profiles, so color profiles. Profiles, profiles exactly profiles, yeah. yeah so one one question that i want to ask you todd is because i mean I recommend everybody who uh, hasn't watched any of your videos to start with the video where you uh, go to the Calgary Stampede with the 8x10 because one of the things that struck me so much about that video was that in the whole hustle of the event, I think 99% of every photographer would you know, grab the uh, lightest the smallest the fastest camera to go there and you made i mean it was a, a contract work that that a contract work for a paper that you did there and you consciously chose to take the 8x10 and the images are so amazing because you took the 8x10 and for several reasons so um my question would have been what was your cr craziest outing with the camera and i'm i don't know if there were crazier stuff but that was one of the craziest you have on youtube uh can you go into that a little bit why yeah. i mean you mentioned it earlier in the beginning but why was that a conscious choice i wish i wish actually i was doing youtube when i did that but but i'm thinking i'm seriously thinking of revisiting that this year just to do a youtube video on it to show how hard it how hard it is i mean it, it it was that is by far the hardest thing that i did so the very first well let me go back why did i choose that i had wanted for the longest time to do something on eight by ten on a big gathering like that on people that were coming to a big event and uh aiden when you come to the stampede next year you'll see there's over a hundred thousand people that come to this place each day awesome. and, it's, and it's not a big place and it's great it's a lot of fun it's a wonderful event it is there's all kinds of great characters there but i wanted to again 
I wanted to slow down the process. I wanted my subjects to have to be able to stop to, to take this photograph. I didn't want them to, okay, take my picture. And you know what it, what else it's like? We are in this time where if you pull out your iPhone or your or a small camera, people are always acting silly or, you know, half half the people at the stampede have been, uh, you know, uh, drinking alcohol and having fun. So so they're kind of in your face. Well, this camera, you have to explain to them the process. They actually have to stop and they have to slow down and they can't move. And that's part of the reason why I picked it is because I wanted to stop these people and make them think and, and know that it wasn't a quick iPhone selfie type of photo. So that was that was the reason. I also wanted this incredible detail. And I also wanted where I could photograph these people and there might be, because it's so hectic in the background, that there would be motion of other people in the background. And then lastly, I wanted to create something for the newspaper that had never been done before. And when I talked to the photo editor about it, he was really keen on the idea and to the, you know, to the point where he gave me a budget for eight by 10 film and developing. So, I mean, you because know, eight by 10 film isn't cheap anymore. And um, so he gave me that budget, you know, cons- as long as I kept it within a, within a range. And I started the process. So the very first day that I went out and did this, I went on my own, took this camera. It was a Deerdorf at the time, which with the Deerdorf and the lens and the, the head and the tripod was probably close to just under 20 pounds. And then I had my bag with five 8x10 film holders that would give me 10 shots. And that's now another 10 pounds. And I quickly, after the first day, I quickly found this was just too much stuff for me to carry. I just couldn't do it. So I hired an assistant to help me out. So the assistant carried the film holder and the light meter and everything else. And then we would stop. And of course, I had everybody sign model releases as well when I did this too, because I wanted to, you know, maybe go and create an art show on this. But it was also a great way to meet people. And then with the 8x10, you would just set it up and people would just stop and say, wow, what is that? And it was, it's an instant conversation starter. And with people that I wanted to photograph, I'd say, They'd be, they'd be going, oh, what are you doing here with that? And I'd be, I, my line was, I'm waiting right here to take your photograph. Can I take your photograph? And they'd be like, yes. <laughs> so it was perfect. Oh, I mean, it, it, it really worked out really well. And I'd be under the dark cloth and I'd be focusing. And then I, I would explain, you can't move. And we do these images. And, at, and you also got to remember that I would do this for 10 hours a day. But then I would, because it was a newspaper and we wanted to, so the stampede starts on a Friday, okay? It goes that weekend and all of the next week and it ends on a Sunday. We wanted to run these pictures on the Saturday before it ended. So I would work 10 days, then I would come home and have to develop the film. I would always keep it at 10 sheets because that is two uh, runs of film. So I'd have to develop the film at night. So I'd spend a couple hours developing film at night. Basically, and everything had to be 
done by Friday so that they could lay it out. So I did this all week long. And then Thursday night, we scanned everything. We spent all night scanning all the 8x10 film here. And then we had to clean it up. And I was had my assistant working with me, and we wrote captions. And Friday morning, I handed everything in. And by that point, I'd never been so tired in my life. I was exhausted <laughs> from, from working for 10 hours, developing film, and then scanning all this stuff up. And it was just a a huge, huge job, but it was so worth it because, uh, and it was the other crazy thing about how social media works too, is I would stop and ask somebody if I could take their picture and he goes, Hey, I saw you on Twitter or on Instagram. They, they saw me with this big camera was getting around and, and I had nobody that said no to, to me taking their photograph. Hmm. which was great. I photographed it all with one lens. It was a, just a 300 millimeter uh, lens on the 8x10, which is basically a normal lens. And it was, it was, it was so, such a rewarding thing to do. And then, of course, the newspaper ran it, and it ran right across the country. And I had notes from all kinds of people from across the country on on the on this project so it was really rewarding it's it's an amazing project we we're almost uh we've almost recorded uh, for an hour and i mean we uh we i we ed and i we're not professionals at all you're a professional but i think and i hope that we have a younger audience and also an audience uh, uh who is getting into photography, maybe film photography, maybe digital photography. I think my last question, I mean, Aid, uh, is there anything that you can think of that we have have not asked? I mean, we haven't asked Todd a, a huge amount of other questions, but uh, a question that I would like to ask you um, to round up uh, our conversation is, what advice would you give a beginner photographer who is looking for their, um, you know, their look, their film look, their 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 creative language, um, that can either be like film photography or digital photography. What advice would you give a young photographer who uh, wants to do it for the love of photography and not probably not like you know becoming a professional? I would give a couple of words of advice. Words of advice uh, that doesn't sound right. This is what I would tell somebody. This is okay. This is what I tell young people when they come talk to me about photography. I would say study a little bit, and, and study is a bad word because then they think they have to work. But I would study a little bit of the history of photography of some of the great photographers out there. I also think that we are in an era where there we are too consumed with creating photography every single day and not and we don't spend enough time thinking about the project that we're working on making prints with the project that we're working on i would tell younger younger photographers is is pick a subject pick a subject matter and go and explore that and when i say explore it not only photographically the art and act of taking a photograph but coming back and actually making some little work prints, even if you're shooting it digitally or on film, is 
as I make five by seven digital work prints with my Epson printer all the time on a project and then lay them out and see how they work and see how, what kind of color palette you're using or if you're doing it in black and white, you know, how are you using the black and white tones? Because when you make little prints, that tells you a lot about how to proceed and where to go for the next photograph and what you should be looking for for the next photograph. We don't take enough time to really analyze our work. And, and I'm very bad for this as well because of my schedule, of my work schedule. I need to take more time myself when I'm doing a project of making prints and living with them, pinning them up on a wall just so that you see them. And those are the clues that are going to say, hey, you you have a bunch of close-up pictures. Maybe you need to start photographing some wider shots to give a sense of place. All those things will, will tell you. That's the biggest thing I, I would say is to slow down and, and really think about the project and just don't go through the act of constantly taking photographs because the editing part is just as important. And I look at some great, great photographers. Don McCullen is a great old war photographer who lives in Great Britain and at, I think he's 80 now, or maybe he's, he's even a little more, he's still going out and photographing the landscape in black and white, on film, all the time, making beautiful prints. And again, if you were to frame one of his prints and put it on a gallery wall, and you have a collector come in, and they look at this print and they go, that's just such a lovely scene, I wanna buy this. A collector never asked, was that shot digitally? Was that shot on film? You know, these technical questions that we get caught up on. And part of the reason we get caught up on these technical questions is because the camera manufacturers have sold us on these technical details. Oh, you need a better camera. You need a 60 megapixel camera and because your 40 megapixel camera is not any good. And you can shoot 30 frames a second now. Well, you can't shoot 30 frames a second. I mean, physically you can, but you're not thinking about the photograph. I mean, so we have to get out of the state of constantly asking of, of what this picture was, was photographed on. And we have to look more at the final image. I mean, that's the most important thing. But that would be my advice to, to photographers just starting out is to slow down and go through that whole process uh, of, of taking a photograph, of analyzing it, making a little print, setting out on a row your little project, and that's gonna help you more than the latest piece of camera equipment or the latest lens, that's for sure. Aid, I think there is nothing that we can say tonight that will add anything to what Todd, Todd just said. Todd, it was such a privilege to have you on the show. It was uh, very interesting. And I think uh, even though I pretended that this question was for the uh, young beginner photographer, I took so much from uh, from what you said and uh, profited from it or profit from it. Uh, thank you so much. Before we leave the show, would you uh, would you like to tell our listeners where they can find your work and your uh, social media and uh, YouTube uh, stuff? We will obviously put it in the show notes as well. But if you can just quickly mention where they can find you. Yeah, you can see a lot of my work on my website, toddcoral.com. You can Instagram is Todd Coral, 
uh, Twitter's Todd Coral, although I'm I'm kind of tuned out of Twitter as well. And um, my YouTube is youtube.com slash Todd Coral. So it's basically my name will get you to any of those things uh, uh, that I work. But I, I'm kind of putting most of my efforts into YouTube now because I'm finding I can go work on a little project and show it to people and people can actually see what I want them to see unlike Instagram or 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 Facebook or anything else where you're where they're deciding what they're going to feed you. And uh, Aiden as well, if you you know if you come to Calgary, make sure you give me a call and we'll get together for sure. Um, that'd be that'd be awesome. So we, we're planning a family vacation for a month uh, in Canada next summer, starting brilliant. in starting in Calgary, arriving around and the, the stampede is the first going to be it's going to be the start of our trip around around Canada. So very much looking forward to that. Yeah, it's it's so much fun. You, you guys will have a wonderful time. Please, uh, in, in, very sincere. Uh, make sure you give me a shout, and we'll get together. And thank you, I will. Uh, Todd, whenever you're in Germany, pl- please give us a ring as oh, well. Oh, I want to get back to Berlin you. so bad. I was in Berlin in 2011, and I've been to Germany uh, a few times, but but I went and spent some time in Berlin in 2011. I'm a big history buff as well, and. Berlin was an amazing city. I didn't get to spend enough time there. I, I really want to come there with a medium format camera and a bag of film and just uh, go and discover Berlin because it's it's, it's really fascinating for me. And uh, uh, yeah, I will be back for sure. That's lovely. Okay. Thank you very much, Todd, for joining us and uh, for eight Please do us the honors uh, of taking us out. Oh well, uh, so well we have been the the digital film photography podcast. Uh, it's been a, a joy to have the conversation and an honor to talk to everybody out there on the internet. Uh, please get in touch with us at the Sunny Sixteen Presents at Gmail. Com, I think is is the is the email address. Uh, I'm a nine six eight on Twitter and Christian. You are at c underscore str one on Instagram. I have to ask you that because I would always get it the wrong way around. All those letters <laughs> and that's and the most not... obvious handle that you can have on Instagram with my name. And I tell you what, yeah, new for this week for me, certainly, it will be putting uh, the my new Mastodon account. Uh, just in case Twitter isn't there by the time the show goes out, I have created an account on Mastodon. Uh, and uh, that will be in the show notes as well. I can't tell you for the life of me what I'm at, what server I'm on. Uh, but I know I'm 8968, but what server I'm on, I have no idea. So it'll be in the show notes. And since this will be coming out around Christmas, Merry Christmas to you all. Lots oh, yeah, of blessings and happy holiday. Yes. Thank Merry you very Christmas. much. That's okay, take, fa- take care, folks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.